welcome back to our second episode of Let's Be Open. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about social conditioning. So we're going to be talking about what social conditioning is, some examples of it, how you can identify with it, and also any tips if you kind of want to get out of the social conditioning mentality for any areas of your life. Um, if you're not subscribed already, don't forget to subscribe as well. Yeah. Shall we start by talking about what social conditioning is? Yeah, definitely. Do you want to start first? Because you wrote some good stuff down. Oh, by the way, we've got some little notes here, so we might be looking down because we've written what we want to talk about. So, yeah, I wrote my um, interpretation of what social conditioning is and what social proof is, because they're slightly different things. So, social conditioning, this is sort of my opinion, but it's pretty, pretty accurate with what social conditioning is. Um, Social conditioning is a belief system um, that we adopt as we're raised, as we're brought up. And it's primarily given to us by the people that we surround ourselves by. So our peers, our family, um, the media, what we see on TV, what people have demonstrated to us. So yeah, social conditioning is the belief system that we adopt as we're brought up. So normally those first five years of your life, that's when you get kind of your programming that's when your kind of belief system gets pretty set in stone. Um, And as we grow up, it's the people around us, so our family, our friends, what we see on TV is what we tend to believe is the correct way of acting. But you don't necessarily look at it as being right or wrong just because you've been taught this as you grow up, you believe it to be correct. So that's what social conditioning pretty much is. So if you see your dad beating up your mum, your preconceived idea, typically speaking, is that oh, beating up your wife is an acceptable way to carry on because that's what you've seen in your first few years of your life. And then you, you, that becomes part of your social conditioning. So you think that is the norm without actually looking at morally whether that's right or wrong just because you've, been, you've had that surrounding you as you grow up. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about through the podcast like more examples of this. So Tris mentioned there about like an example of a child with its um, parent like yeah beating up his wife or whatever but we're going to talk about also other examples where you'll be met with these examples in your life maybe in places that you've never even thought about before um, and you'll be surprised with how much it comes up um, in areas I mean when Tris and I were writing this we just thought of more and more and more of examples of where social conditioning happens did you mm. want to say anything about social proof yeah, so social proof is slightly different to social conditioning. So, social proof is the idea that if most people around you act in a certain way, that that way of acting must be correct. Um, so the most common one that I always think of is the Nazis in the Holocaust in the 1940s. You see these people, you're, being, you're told that you have to do these things, you have to lead Jews into the gas chambers, and therefore, like lemmings, all the, all the Nazis fell into line and thought, oh, because everyone else around me is doing this, that must be the correct way to act. So they weren't thinking for themselves. They weren't thinking, oh, is this morally the right or wrong thing to do? The social proof was telling them, we must walk the Jews into the gas chambers. So humans are very good at being lemmings and just being told being told something and just acting on it because the people around them are doing it rather than thinking for themselves. So that's something that we really have to make sure we are thinking for ourselves because otherwise you can end up committing terrible atrocities just because you're told to do it and because the people around you are doing it. So people around you acting a certain way doesn't necessarily mean that it's the correct way to act. Yeah, and I don't know, there was an experiment, I don't know if you can remember what it was, but um, 
someone was in a room and they had a button that went through to an electrocutor thing that went through to another room and they were electrocuting someone in the other room and next to them was a guy dressed up in like a white suit you know like a scientist outfit basically and he said to the guy press the button it's fine it will electrocute the guy in the other room and the man thought he's thinking is that the right thing to do because like i'm gonna electrocute someone next door and like it could hurt them and the guy was like no 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 it's the right thing to do just do it it's fine honestly it's all fine so he carried on and he could hear the guy screaming next door and he was like shall i stop and the the scientist was like no 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 it's fine carry on carry on and the guy carried on and ended up i don't know if he actually ended up killing the person even though he could hear the screamings from the other guy um he carried on doing it so that's a really good example of like I don't know if it's social proof or I think it was actually the experiment done for social proof to show how much humans can be influenced by people in like politicians and scientists in those outfits of power where yeah you're told to even though inside you know it's not right and you know that electrocuting someone to kill them is not the right thing to do he carried on doing it because someone in power was telling them and another example is with the virus recently like because you're being told that wearing a mask is the right thing to do or having a vaccine is the right thing to do and thousands and millions of people are doing it and the positions of power are telling you to do it, it makes you think that's the right thing to do. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So, sorry, I just looked up. That's called the Milgram experiment. Mm. And, um, yeah, really good example of it, actually, where you're being told to do something by someone in a position of so-called authority and because they're in a position of authority you almost become submissive to that person and think that person must be acting correctly because they're in a position of authority. They must have been put there because they're good, because they're righteous, and you put them in this category. You put them in a category above yourself and you take actually out of the equation your moral impl- your moral ideas. So you're told, carry on electric shocking that person. Even and that person screams are getting greater and greater and you're, you carry on doing it because you perceive the person in the position of power to have a better idea of morality than yourself um and that's something that humans need to learn to you know not think they need to not think like that we need to think for ourselves yeah yeah you know that sort of thing is exactly the same example as the holocaust right exactly Mm -hmm. the same thing yeah yeah exactly Mm. um so the next thing we're going to talk about is areas in your life where social conditioning can have an effect on you so you may already know about some of these things and some of them may be new to you so we're going to run through um a few things that we've written down of where we have noticed social conditioning coming up in our lives um well i think it would be good to talk about political views because for me that's one of the most clear-cut um parts of uh, our characters should we say that you see social conditioning come through. So, so often when you have a conservative dad, you end up having conservative kids. Mm-hmm. And so often when you have a Labour dad, it's, you end up having Labour kids. And it's just so, it seems slightly more than a coincidence to me that uh, those political views are not their own. It seems slightly slightly strange that it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence, should we say. Um. And it's probably because as you're growing up, your dad has done well from being a conservative because he has certain amounts of money and it's useful for him to be a conservative. And he passes on all the positives of being a conservative to you. And you build this picture up of why conservatism is the best political, the best way to vote. And you end up jumping on that opinion and having that that opinion. 
but it's actually just your dad's opinion of the world. That's how he, it has helped him the most. So that's his opinion. And he's just passing on his knowledge to you. But it's not necessarily the knowledge that's going to serve you the best. Um, and for a multitude of reasons, you may want to be a Labour supporter, for example. Um, yeah, and and if you're like wondering if you've done that, just think about the first few votes if you ever voted who they were it probably is very likely that it's the same party you voted for that your parents did and I remember the first few votes I did I just said to my parents oh who do I vote for like I didn't know much about it and they'd be like oh, wow. oh just tick the conservative like you know that's the best party for your area you want to vote conservative and even now they're still very conservative conservative whereas I can see why conservative will benefit my parents but then I can see why other parties will benefit my age group so I want to vote different but yeah, that's a really good example. And also the area that you live in. So where I live, there's a lot of older people. So the majority of this area is going to be conservative. Or the school that you go to. If you go to a private school, it's very likely that a lot of the kids, like when you get to 16 or whenever it is you can vote, it's going to be, you're all voting. Yeah, it's 16, isn't it? You're going to be voting conservative because you're at a private school. Is it 16? It's not 18. Or is it 18? Oh, I don't know. It must be 18, surely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember I was at school. It must have been like A-levels then. But like when you went to vote... And um, yeah, I asked my friends what they all vote and most of them who've gone to private school, it was conservative because that's what their parents did. The next one we're going to talk about is monogamy. So for any of you that don't know, monogamy is exclusive exclusiveness to one partner. Um, so you're only having sexual encounters with one partner. Normally it's a relationship as well. Um, and in the Western culture that we live in, it's very normal to... It's yeah, socially conditioned that you meet one person, you stay with just that person and it's normally a partner for life. So you get married to them, you have a family with them and you're not allowed to see anyone else, be attracted to anyone else. <laughs> you just have to be with that person. Basically, the vows and when you get married are till death do us part. Mm. Um, so that is what monogamy is. And it's come from, uh, uh, well, it's back when agriculture like got big and it was done for more of a um don't know how to describe it like a well it was division of labor initially yeah. wasn't it yeah like her to do with money and stuff and it was like when men used to have kids and stuff and they didn't worry so much about having a family or keeping a woman down but it actually became where it was important for them to have a wife for money reasons and owning owning farmland and stuff like that and having their own family so they could pass their farmland on to their children. So it was actually in their benefit to keep one woman and keep their children and having children was a good thing. So then they came up with marriage because that's a great way to keep a woman. It's a legal binding contract. They have to sign a declaration. You have to go to court for it. So you are exclusively basically signed to that person for life and obviously with christianity and everything divorce is looked down on so even if people were in unhappy relationships they would stay in them um, because they've got married and um, so that's kind of like where monogamy all came about and there's obviously a lot of um ways that our our world benefits off monogamy you know selling weddings and selling like valentine's things and there's so many marketing things that are towards couples and monogamy um, so that's like what monogamy is and the opposite would obviously be non-monogamy and there's lots of different titles, there's polyamory, open relationships, all these things, but basically non-monogamy is where you can have sexual encounters and relationships with more than one person. That's like the basic way to describe it. Do you want to add anything about 
the social conditioning side of that. Well, when you have societies that don't have monogamy, it ends up being where you had the like the the harems and in Somalia and places like that. There ended up being chaos in the streets because when one man has one wife, he's settled. He's had that on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He's got that tick box ticked when he's sexually fulfilled, so he can aspire to do things more and be more productive because he doesn't have to worry about that that need at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So he doesn't need to go out looking for sex every day because he's got a mate for life. So Christianity in line with the vision of labor, I think, I think caused monogamy to start and it does create a level of stability, but it's probably quite far from what we would consider normality, but it was put into place for good, for good reason back in the day. Yeah. And obviously with social conditioning, it's where this will come in fact in your life where when you date someone, the examples of things that people will say to you is, are you exclusive yet? Are you boyfriend and girlfriend? Or, you know, when are you going to get married? Or are you going to move in together? And then it, where it can cause issues is where if one partner starts to find someone else attractive, and then it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you find someone else attractive, even though it is normal as mammals, as like, you know, it's, it's normal to find other people attractive and have like urges to be with other people. Um, but because of social conditioning, it makes you feel abnormal. And then that is also why people cheat because they think, well, I can't be with multiple partners because that's not normal. So, mm. the you know, the option, I'm not condoning cheating at all, but I'm just saying that is a lot of the reason why people cheat. And also people then get upset with themselves. If you're feeling any sort of like, I don't know, worry or that you might like someone else or you don't know if you can be with someone for someone else. That's an example where social conditioning has made you feel bad for your feelings when actually it's quite logical and normal to feel all those things. Mm. Um, And that's where Tris and I were talking about if you're unsure if something is social conditioning or not, is to work out whether it is logical in your head or not, if it's illogical. An example could be murdering someone i mean we don't go around murdering people you could say it's social conditioning but also it's morally wrong it's not the right thing to do but with monogamy it's like is it the right thing to do and is it logical those are the sort of questions that you need to ask yourself Mm. yeah it's quite clear cut isn't it really when you think about um murdering someone is morally not acceptable because you're encroaching on someone else's human rights and you're causing someone else to suffer these things monogamy is a very natural thing to want to sleep with more than one person non-monogamy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Non-monogamy. Um, non-monogamy is very a very natural thing for one person to want to sleep with someone else and you aren't affect you aren't offending or physically harming anyone else by sleeping with more than one person but it's been made to look like it's not normal to want to sleep with more than one person and even on top of that you get such crazy deep deep seated um social conditioning on polyamory and non-monogamy you get these words banded around like sluts and fuckboys when in reality like these people are all just people that want to have sex with other people which we all do you yeah. just be you just put yourself in this box of monogamy and are making it sound like an awful thing. Like and also just... being repressed. Like, you're probably repressing a lot of sexual desires. Like, you know, you're saying that, you know, if you're being in that box or those people, those fuckboys, you're, like, a lot of people repress what they really want to do because they think that, oh, sleeping with someone else is not normal. So then they just repress, it, repress their feelings. And the other thing is that um, with women, 
it is normal to have the urge to want to have a family and look for one guy and to look after them. So it's logical that women obviously prefer prefer monogamy to men. Um, That's another thing to take into account. So that's not just social conditioning. It is normal for a woman to want to find a man to provide for her and her children. But for men, it's not so normal to be monogamous. You look at like most other species, the man has sex with the woman and then just literally just leaves them like by themselves. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, women have a lot more to lose through evolution anyway. It's slightly different now in this uh, this moment in society, but women through the last couple of hundred years have had a lot more to lose than men um, having random one-night stands because they have the potential that they'll be pregnant. And if the man just fucks off, they're left there to fend for them, not only themselves, but a child as well with no provider. So women have a much greater need to dedicate to themselves, have a man dedicate to them um, than men do. So that's where there's a slight difference in the desires of what men and women want. Mm-hmm. Um, men have way, way less care about, or way less need to um, be monogamous because they're not the ones that are going to bear the child. So that's where men and women do have different ideas on these two yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are going to do another podcast on monogamy and non-monogamy, so we won't talk about it too much today. Another one that we really wanted to talk about today was uh, looks and fashion trends and things like that. So social conditioning um, can come into play with even like, yeah, the way you look, because if you think about you're looking at your social media, you're looking at magazines, you're looking at the people around you, the latest trends... So you want to be like those trends, you want to be trendy, you want people to like you, you want to fit in. So a really good one at the moment, and I think probably started like a year, two years ago, is having a big bum and a small waist as a woman. And it's just this massive trend that women are trying to get. No matter what their body shape is, they will do anything to be like it. You look at 10, 12 years ago, no, it's about 10 years ago, and the trend for women was to be really skinny. So Victoria Beckham, Nicole Richie, Paris Hilton, like all of those, it was skinny catwalk type models. And now it's this, and there's always different trends with body types. With men, it's like have a six pack or whatever it is. And you'll go on Instagram or before the days of Instagram, it was magazines and stuff, and you'd see what's in trend and then you'd want to fit in to be like it. Also, the other things that happen now are plastic surgery, um, white teeth, being tanned is a massive one for girls, having no body hair, big bo- I mean, big boobs used to be like a massive thing. Like that was the Katie Price days. Now it seemed to have moved to bums and it's like, <laughs> you're always constantly trying to fit in with the trend that's going on around you. Mm. I guess a lot of that is the social proof, the people around you, the things that you see every day on Instagram are these girls with small waists and big bums. So you want to look like them to fit into the social norm, but it's not necessarily deep down inside what you want. It's what you're seeing so often. You want to become like those things. It's like that saying that Tupac um, Tupac mm-hmm. said, slightly not politically correct, but if you hang around with nine dumb niggers, you become the 10th dumb nigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Might have to cut that bit out, but it's so true that you become like the the things that you see all the time and the things you, that you surround yourself by so you end up not thinking for yourself and just thinking through the social proof because everyone else has got a big bum wants a big bum and has a small waist i want those things too and you don't actually think about whether you want it it's just the opinion of, of, of other people that make you want those things 
Yeah, my friend said a really good thing earlier. She said, isn't it crazy that our body image, like how we feel about our body at any point in time, is dependent on what is in trend in fashion? Yeah, it's so true. So like if small boobs become in fashion next year, I've got quite small boobs, so I'm going to be feeling so good. But if big boobs come in fashion next year, I'm just going to feel shit. Like, mm. isn't that crazy that you're... Well, obviously, it depends on my self-worth and confidence in myself. But if you're not that confident in yourself and you do depend on these trends, then you are going to be yeah, affected and feel like you don't fit in, especially with social media. I mean, a way to get away from it is to come off social media. But even then, you look around, you walk around a supermarket, you can still work out what's fashionable and what's trendy and what people are wearing. And mm. um, It's so crazy, isn't it, that that your whole how you feel about yourself is with so many people completely directed by what other people think of you, how mm-hmm. other people perceive you. So it's not how you feel in yourself and how your how your body feels to you and it's completely comes from the outside how you feel about yourself. When someone tells you that you look good, that makes you feel good, but you kind of forget that you feeling good should be what makes you feel good. Shouldn't be the opinions of others, yeah. It shouldn't be the opinions of other people at all. It should be how you feel inside and what you want to do for you. But I think most of the time, people don't even know what they want to do for, themse- for themselves. They want to do what will impress the people around them and they want to get that those affirmations from things outside of themselves. So you end up living in this world where you're not doing things for yourself to make yourself feel good. You're doing things through other people, other people telling you that you're doing well or that you're looking good is the thing that makes you feel good. And I think that is just so strange. Yeah, yeah, like your whole... Well, that's ego as well, isn't it? Because our ego is so dependent and our identity is our ego and it's so dependent on what other people think and say of us. But yeah, like say you wanted to be a bit more, um, I don't know, do your own kind of style with your fashion, maybe be a bit more hippie-like and where you know where you know my friendship circle we don't really dress like hippies and have dreadlocks but if I decided tomorrow I wanted to do that I might get people like oh that look doesn't look so good or why do you want to do that or you look a bit and then you're like oh no I don't you know I don't and then you start questioning yourself yeah you start questioning yourself and think oh yeah why do I want to oh no people aren't going to like me if I change and I start doing this oh no and then the more people that say it the more you you struggle to think for yourself the more these other opinion these other opinions that's where the social proof comes in the more these other people's opinions come in and make you question the ways that you want to act the more you think oh maybe I shouldn't act that way and you have to become quite bulletproof actually to the opinions of other people you need to not give a shit about opinions of other people and you need to really do you but as a human being it's so so difficult to do just like those nazis in the holocaust it was so difficult to do what they felt was right because everyone around them was doing the opposite yeah yeah it's like if you don't want to wear a mask at the moment it's very difficult if you believe a mask is not right to wear to not wear one you know you can't well it's impossible to go into a shop because you get told off so like those sort of things and also when Tris was just saying that it reminded me of um when we first went into our open relationship um I think it was a bit easier for Tris because he is a man I think men his male friends actually kind of understand it a bit more but as a woman uh going into a non-monogamous relationship the amount of like opinions I got from people like Tris is just a fuck boy he's gonna fuck you over oh he clearly doesn't love you if if he loved you he'd want to be monogamous which is crazy when you think about like that statement um and this is ridiculous what about your future and how are you gonna live to get and all these like things and I had so many people that was when I was flying as well so like every trip I went on if people asked about my relationship 
they were like, that's so stupid or whatever. So I had to really, really shut off those opinions and do what was right for me and not listen to those opinions and not look at, yeah, my friendship circle and what they're all doing mm. and think for myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good uh, a good example of knowing yourself, using your own tuition. Instead of listening to other people's opinions of me, say, it's you're trying to not do that, not listen to the opinions of other people. And Chloe knows me very well. So <laughs> Chloe should be thinking hmm, what do I think Tris is all about? Do I think Tris is a fuckboy? Do I think Tris Tris doesn't care for me and he just wants to sleep with hordes of girls? Or do I think that Tris does care for me, he just wants to have sex with other people, pretty natural thing to do. And you actually were quite, yeah, you were quite brave and you were quite not socially conditioned. You didn't listen to those opinions of other people and you went into that relationship with your own understanding of what, what that was about. Yeah, yeah, and that's where really listening to your intuition so if you're at a point in the moment where you've got to make a decision that may be against the social norm or what your family and friends do really listen to what you want to do because long term you probably will be right and you'll be happy but if you go with what everyone else wants to do you won't be happy I mean if at that point I had listened to my parents my friends my family who especially my parents really didn't want me to go into an open relationship then a year later I would have been thinking oh I wonder if I had gone out I wonder if it had stayed I'd have never have known and I just think now, thank God that I listened to my opinion and did what I want. So, mm. and even for yourself, making this the decision to tell me how you felt um, was going against social conditioning because you had to tell me and be honest. Whereas most people, they have an urge to see someone else, they'll either leave the relationship or cheat. Um, so you decided not to do the normal things, which is to break up with someone and or cheat. And you would just told me how you felt and were honest, mm. which again is different to the the normal thing to do yeah yeah not socially acceptable at all really but by my own moral compass that is a hundred percent the thing to do Mm. i want to maintain a good relationship with yourself but at the same time i want to sleep with other people so i can lie and deceive and cheat i can leave the relationship entirely and you know relate with someone else or Which would be I can, sad because then you lose a friendship as well yeah or i can be honest with you this is what i want put all the cards on the table and see if we can work something out mm. and um it seemed to be a good decision and and on top of that i have to get the bad the the bad opinions thrown at me as well through yourself you know other people have certain opinions of me because they think that i'm those things and they get back to me oh Tris is a fuck boy all the rest of it yeah. like you've told me some of your cabin crew friends have said and stuff like that yeah and it's like path of most resistance. Social conditioning tells you to follow the path of least resistance. So it's really easy. No one's gonna be. No one's gonna be saying these things about me. Trish is a fuck boy. If I just, if I just button up and just monogamously date you and don't be true to myself, no one will be saying these opinions. But I'll be getting eaten alive inside because I'm not being my, true to myself at all. Or I go out with you but cheat on you. Again, I don't get those opinions from other people, path of least resistance. I get to have my cake and eat it too. But then morally inside, I know that I'm doing something horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. So I can't do that. So I'm going to have to take those people's bad opinions and I'm going to have to go straight into this relationship and take the good with the bad. And that's all you can do. That's uh, that's the scary thing about seeing through social conditioning sometimes because you have to take that path of most resistance, which is full of a lot of pain, but also... What's the, what's the alternative to live a life that's a lie? Yeah. Do you want to talk about any other topics or do you either want to go on to talk about um, 
ways to get out of social conditioning. Um, because that was what you were kind of leading on to there. Yeah, someone did ask about uh, religion, so we could touch on that quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, religion can be social conditioning because when you're born into a, an Islamic or Christian family, for example, you're just, yeah, you're just made to believe that is the right thing to do. Tris went to... Um, what was it called? Christadelphian. Oh, it was Christadelphian, yeah, growing up, yeah. Yeah. Had to go to Sunday school every week. I was, um, my parents were a bit more flexible with me, luckily. They didn't push too many opinions on me of God and stuff. But with you, it was very like, this is the thing you do. You go to church. And I've got a, quite a few friends who are very religious and they've been brought up that way. And then they've not had sex before marriage and those sort of things. And it's interesting when you do meet religious people to ask them, are your parents the same religion? Because a lot of the time they are. Mm. and you're brought into that yeah yeah and the conditioning runs so deep actually I remember a good quote from my mum when I was about I don't know 13 years old or something and I saw there was a photo of some some girl and I said some comment along the lines of oh I'd love to have sex with her and my mum's comment back was oh but in our religion we don't do that until we get married and I didn't even know at this point and I thought wow that's that's not ideal for me. I want to have sex. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm the horny 13-year-old. But um, it's quite interesting that it wasn't, oh, in the religion that I follow, my mum follows, she didn't say, this is what I think, and try and pass that opinion on to me. It was, this is what we think. So I'm being indoctrinated, really, to think exactly the same way as you without being asked to make my own decision on that thing. And I guess that's what social conditioning, for the most part, is. It's not choosing to do something it's sort of being led down the path and almost not forced to do it but you're almost coerced into believing a certain thing rather than actually thinking for yourself I mean that's another subject altogether how you should bring your kids up and a lot of parents oppress their kids rather than asking their kids to make decisions for themselves but it's just so interesting that that's how deep that runs in my family my mum told me this is what our religion does and this is how you act. And I just, for a while anyway, blindly went along with it. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people do. And, like, especially very strong, like, religious religious cultures, like Islamic, Muslims, um, they tend to live in communities as well. So you walk out your door and everyone around you is the same religion. So then... Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so then everyone around you is the same religion. So it's even more, like, you go to schools with the same people who are the same religion as you. I went to a Catholic and then a Benedictine school. So even though I was a, I was an atheist myself, but I was surrounded by people who did believe in this religion and were very religious. And, you know, like, it can be sort of, like, forced upon you. Um, and I can imagine for Muslims, it's incredibly hard to get out of, like... Oh, yeah. um, they are very very strict you know the women have to cover themselves up and uh, you know if you want to say I don't want to be part of this I don't want to they will disown you like you know that's what happens in that culture they disown you as a family member if you don't believe the same thing as you which is crazy when you think about it yeah well that's the very uh, that's the very epitome of oppressing someone isn't it you know you depend on your parents but we're going to turf you out of the house and not look after you if you don't believe what we believe so you're living in this family at the family level of a, a tyranny mm-hmm. essentially and yeah i do think uh, religion is such an interesting one because for the part of the world that you live in there tends to be a big makeup of certain religions and i just think it's funny that people from the uk believe in christianity or roman catholic they they tend to believe the religion that's native to their country the people in the east tend to believe a 
believe more what Hindu or Islamic say mm. and different parts of the world tend to follow the religion that's native to their country and it just seems slightly strange to me that they sort of don't question that they think oh yeah Christianity is definitely the Christ Christadelphian where I'm from I couldn't stand the words that they used the the community they called Christadelphianism they called it the truth as if I mean, I think that in itself is hilarious that they just completely negate all the other religions and just say, ours is definitely the correct, correct one. I mean, firstly, what arrogance to believe that yours is definitely the correct one. And have you really studied in great detail all of the other religions and worked out, yeah, this is definitely the one that's correct? Or have you just blindly gone into it and thought, oh, yeah, this is the one because my parents have, have told me that this is the one or the country that, that I'm native to has told me that it's the one. And it's just quite clear that you haven't actually, or for the for the most part, you haven't actually made your own opinion. You've just fallen into line and believed it because others around you did. So much of that is social conditioning. Yeah. So yeah, much yeah, of it. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the main topics. There were a few other things we did write down, but we won't go because we've done quite a long podcast and we want to talk about now also how to sort of get out of uh, social conditioning and... Um, some ways that you can question yourself but just really really quickly the other things we did write down were to think about were um having children by a certain age or in a long-term relationship marriage so you know it's normal to get married by a certain way or uh, age or if you've been with someone for 10 years you have to get married or live together living together is another one uh, we also talked about jobs and education so getting a degree working all your life till you're retired it's like the normal thing to do um so they were the other things we did write down to think about as well mm. But yeah, so we're going to, you you mentioned it a minute ago, maybe you could talk a bit about more, but you said about path most resistance and ways that you can sort of find out whether something is right for you. What, do you remember what you were saying? You wrote it to me earlier about um, meditating and stuff like that. Yeah, so I think the question to be answered is how can we learn to see through the social conditioning how can we learn to see if it's the way that we want to act or if it's just the way that we're blindly acting without kind of thinking about it? Um, so how can we see through it? Because it's quite hard. You're, you're given this programming in the first five years and that becomes like your character. If you're taught to be taught and pushed really hard to become a Christian in the early years of your life and you just accept it, that becomes kind of your character. And actually breaking out of that becomes quite difficult as an adult. So... What ways can you see whether you're being true to yourself or whether you're being conditioned? And I think that meditating is one of the best ways. So for me, I started questioning things in life when I started taking psychedelic drugs. So I started taking acid, magic mushrooms and smoking weed. And when you do these things, it takes you out of your programming, your conditioning for the first five years. And you actually start to question the ways that you act rather than just acting because of that programming from the first five years. You actually start to question the things that the ways that you're acting. So these things can also be achieved by meditating. But for me, the instigator was doing psychedelic drugs when I was younger. And um, these things can easily be abused. So don't go madly running into doing you know ayahuasca and magic mushrooms um possibly the most smart way to get into it is to meditate but humans are so bad at being present to the moment that starting meditating and clearing your getting out of your mind and stop thinking thoughts is very difficult to do um so possibly just questioning everything that you do when you do an action question what is the reason that i'm doing this action is it is it for good is it for bad is it because am i just blindly following following it because 
we start questioning why I act in, in the way that I do. Yeah, was something I was going to add as well. When Tris was talking about the meditating, basically the reason you want to meditate is because you want to get out of your mind. So you're constantly, your mind is chattering away, constantly talking to you, taking stuff in, information. So you kind of want to get out of that mind and kind of like look a bird's eye view into your life. Mm. And that's what meditating can help you do and breath work is another one and the reason i think like psychedelic drugs can be so good is because people are like tris said and they're just not so good at meditating because it is difficult but do keep going with it but psychedelic drugs can help you with that and obviously we're not saying yeah go do psychedelics or go do them every single week you know literally one experience can be enough for you to see um but yeah, so those kind of things, the reason psychedelics help you do that is because they help you kind of step out of your mind and see that bird's eye view in. And they take a lot of your conditioning out when you do them. Yeah. Um, whereas it's hard to do that when you're, yeah, like meditating because you're still slightly in your mind and your conditioned mind. Mm. Um, and yeah, and obviously everybody reacts differently. So for some people, you know, shrooms and things like that don't do have that experience. But again, it depends on the the setting, the amount, the point in your life, all those are things, how you feel going into it, those things are really, really important. Um, mm. But I also, like Tristan also said about asking yourself questions. So, you know, thinking about whether it's logical. So some questions I've got written down that you can ask yourself. So and I, the example I'm going to use is um, if you've at the moment got an aesthetic goal for your body so say if you're a female listening and you want a big bum and small waist at the moment and get rid of your hip dips and if you're a male listening at the moment and you want to get a six-pack and get some big legs and arms it's quite ironic really that we've got all these things isn't it (laughs) (laughs) chloe and i are just about maybe maybe just about transcending the uh, egotistical self and they're doing things for other people. <laughs> Obviously, there's quite logical reasons to having some of these things, but you don't want to be convincing yourself that you're doing things for logical reasons. Being lean is useful for moving your body through space, but you can convince yourself that you're doing it for that reason, and, and was, actually you're doing it for I an egotistical reason. I also do think reason. that you and I, though, have fell into these aesthetic trends by accident. I think you had a lean body before it was a trend to have a six-pack, and I ended up having a big waist and small bum. Not Big I waist ne- and small bum? No, sorry. <laughs> big bum and small waist. I mean, that might become a trend. Um, because I just got into weightlifting and my genetics helped me ha- have it. And it, funny enough, that was never my goal when I started weight training. And then it became a trend and I fell into the trend. But um, but no, so some uh, so some questions that you can ask yourself, if say if you that is your goal at the moment, or um if you're thinking about a job if say if you're in a job at the moment that you're not very happy with and you want to do something else but it's not really the normal thing to do it could be something like um i don't know you want to quit your full-time job that's really well paid for something that's a bit more high risk and maybe it's self-employment or having your own business or whatever so think about like what is it that you think you want and why do you want it um so so the big bum and small ways why do you want that and i bet you the answer is probably going to be because it's a trend or it's approval of others yeah so usually if the answers to these questions fall back to because it makes me feel good when other people compliment me so the opinions of other people tend to be tends to be a it's it's a not doing it for the correct reasons it's doing yeah. it through socially conditioned reasons trying to get something from outside of yourself yeah so if the answer to these questions tend to be to for do others. with other people's opinions yeah yeah like an example as well as the job one so why like if you think you might want to go to uni- university but you're not sure and then it 
it's actually your parents that want you to go. Again, you're doing it for your parents. You're not doing it for you. Um, and uh, do you really need what you think you want from that goal? So if your goal is to have the big bum and the small waist for the opinions of others to be approved of, do you really need that? Do you need the opinions of others to be approved of? Can you get it from somewhere else? Well, yes, you can give it to yourself. You don't need to get it from other people or um oh I'm gonna go to university because then it'll make my parents happy do you really need to do that like do you think that they really will you know completely disown you if you choose to have a different job Mm. and is making your parents happy going to make you happy because if those two cross over quite badly then it's much more important to go for the one that's going to make you happy yeah yeah and I think a lot of it like when you do a circle like so um I want to, I'm just going to say, like, for me, it was quit university and become a model was my one. Um, oh, no, what will my parents think? Because they've paid thousands into my education. I've gone into university to do this really fancy degree to have a really well paid job at the end. And I'm going to quit all of this to go and do modelling, which has no success like it's very minimal success rate in the modeling industry what will my parents think well the thing in your head is oh no they're going to be really angry and then what if they never talk to me again so I mean that's probably very unlikely to happen but if it was that they never talk to you again and they don't support you what is like you know the real thing you know is that is that the end of the world can you learn to survive by yourself because one day your parents won't be there and yeah it's good to learn to survive by yourself and not rely on your parents opinion and approval all the time anyway Mm. So it's good to step out of those things and do what you want and not always do it for the approval of parents or friends or whatever. Yeah. I think humans can live their entire lives subconsciously living vicariously for other people. And they get to the end of their life and they realise that nothing that they've done is anything that they wanted to do. It's what society demanded they do and what other people's opinions encouraged them to do. And they are lying there on their deathbed and their life has been, when you look at it that way, a massive failure and doing the complete opposite of all those things, you'd probably feel really comfortable on your deathbed because you would have done you your whole life. And how few people do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Um, I think that's a good way to uh, conclude. Is there anything you want to like add as extra? Yeah, I think a big problem in our society is the survival of the fittest egotistical Charles Darwin mentality that most humans deem to be correct and I just think that that is that's social conditioning we're conditioned to believe that that is how we should act we should look after ourselves. it's all about number one look after yourself because survival of the fittest that's the only way to survive and I think that actually that's a that's a social conditioning, I believe, that humans don't... They, they believe it so much that they struggle to help the people around them too much and they struggle to maintain equilibrium with their environment. So humans are thinking so much about themselves and being successful for their own egotistical needs, which is socially conditioned. All humans seem to be just striving for their own personal goals to make themselves feel good, to build their identity so big. I think that's social conditioning. And they forget to they forget that to make your to to survive in the world you have to create equilibrium with your environment you can't forever pull from the earth without ever giving anything back but we've been conditioned to believe that you just think about yourself and you don't think about the earth 
And I think that most humans really, when you really get down and meditate and think about what you want to do for you, you have to take into account looking after the earth because the earth looks after you. Mm. It's that circle that goes round. You look after the earth and the earth looks after you. But humans don't think that. They just think take, take, take and pull from the earth and work towards your own egotistical goals. And I think society now is getting to the point where they're realising that cannot go on indefinitely. Mm -hmm. We've been conditioned to think that the survival of the fittest and looking after yourself is the, the best thing that we should be doing. But I think that's that's all wrong. And if you carry on doing that, you'll realise that you fucked your environment and consequently you're going to fuck your own life up and your own, all of humanity up really. So I think that's somewhere where it's a real deep, deep-rooted um, problem of social conditioning is just thinking about yourself and your own egotistical desires and it is starting to cause repercussions across the world. The uh, camera just died for anyone uh, listening. Yeah, so we... Uh, you might not have video for that last bit. <laughs> yeah, just to say to the camera, I don't know where it just cut off, but we'll just try our best to add it back in. What I wanted to say back to what Trista just said was um, because we've been conditioned to believe that the thing is to go to school and then get a job and work until we're 65. And basically also when you're working, you're working for more and more money to be successful. That's normally what the strive is and have a family or whatever. And then retire when you're like 70. And that's when you obviously relax. And that's like the normal thing to do. So people don't have time to think about, um, yeah, looking after their community, looking after their environment, slowing down until it's like almost they're too late and it's, they're too old. But it is quite funny when you think about how far we've come as humans, because yeah, back in the day in cavemen times, they did like, they did look after their environment. They weren't filling up with pollution and stuff, but they also weren't going to work. Like you didn't have jobs and stuff. You didn't have to make money. You just lived in the wild, lived with your plants and your trees and your animals and stuff. And that was life. And then there wasn't all this damage on the environment, but because of social conditioning and believing that, you know, the school and the job and the education and all of that is the right thing to do and be busy, busy, busy all your life till the day you die, it causes all this effect on our environment. Um, and there's more population, more population, more resources being pulled. Um, yeah, and it's because of the Western culture believes in one life. So when you're dead, you're dead. Whereas the Eastern culture, a lot of them, they believe in reincarnation. So they're not in a rush to fit everything in in this life. They're way more chill. They're not running around like to earn loads of money and be the most successful this and that. In the Western culture, it's like you've got to be something to be well known. You've got to be successful. You've got to be famous because famous will bring you status and you want all these things. And yeah, it does have an effect on our environment. And yeah. And I think like that documentary that's just come out, Sea Spiracy, is a good example of the way that the world will end up going if we carry on. Yeah, humans just thinking for themselves and the huge repercussions of doing that. Humans do tend to think of, your ego tends to think of you as the centre of the whole universe. And the problem with that is you don't think about the universe as a big, uh, as one big organism. You think about yourself and you try and just make yourself so fortified by your egotistical desires that you end up destroying the environment around you, which is you. And if you ruin it, you will cease to exist as well. But humans don't seem to realise that. Yeah. yeah. Most humans, some humans don't seem to realise that. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's everything for the podcast today. We hope you guys enjoyed our little chat about social conditioning. Um 
we're looking forward to doing our next episode. We're hoping to get one out every one to two weeks, but we're not going to be exact on time because it depends how busy we are. But <laughs> we're hoping because we're really enjoying it to get more out for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if you've got any things you want us to talk about or any questions, our email address is in the description box. So drop us an email. Um, and don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family as well help get the message out about us <laughs> and uh we'll see you or speak to you in our next episode yep bye <laughs> bye <laughs>